Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity Westerhales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you would be blessed through it. Amen. There's a crash if you want to make use of, of that. If you're under two, I mean. <laughs> We're... Uh, we're in Exodus chapter 3. If you have a Bible with you, you can open it up or look at it on your phone. Uh, Exodus chapter uh, 3. Let's, as we come to God this morning, let's just bow our heads. Let's ask for his help, his guidance, his leading. Lord Jesus, we want you to, to be our teacher. And we thank you that uh, every word, every word that we read in here, it comes from you. Uh, and it's for our benefit, um, for those on, uh, who have their hope in the hope of the ages. And so we pray that the speaker would decrease so that Jesus Christ of Nazareth would increase, for we ask it in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Um, there was uh, a poll done uh, of many eminent scientists, and they were asked, what's the greatest human discovery of all time? And uh, what came out as the top human discovery of all time was fire. That's apparently, according to scientists, the, the number one. Uh, Charles Darwin uh, is recorded as saying uh, the greatest human discovery of all time is fire, and he then he put a little brackets on with the possible uh, only exception of language. And so we have this idea that uh, human language and fire are the greatest human discoveries of all time. So maybe it's not that surprising to find that the way that God manifested himself, showed himself to the world after the fall, was by speaking and in fire. In the book of Genesis, God is making a covenant with Abraham, a covenant that's going to have an effect on the whole history of the, of the world. And in sort of ratifying that covenant, Abraham makes a sacrifice to God, an animal sacrifice, and we're told that God manifests himself in the form of fire because God himself passed through the sacrifice as a blazing torch of fire, we read. God himself doing that. And you know the famous stories uh, that would come later, Exodus, of God making his presence known uh, by a pillar of cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. And God would manifest himself in that way and how that pillar of fire would remain over the tent of meeting that Moses and Aaron had set up where they would meet with God and there was fire, God manifesting himself really there, but perhaps the most famous in the Old Testament meeting of God and God manifesting himself as fire is here in Exodus chapter 3, where Moses meets with God at the burning bush. And so, even if scientists do consider that the greatest human discovery is fire and language, I say to you, the greatest discovery you could make today 
is this God of burning, cleansing flame who speaks to us today. But why turn up in fire? Why would God turn up as a fire? Why, why is that something that God would want to show himself in? And so to understand that, we're going to go look into the text, and we're going to uh, read it and pull out some points. Um, I won't say every instance of fire, but I'll just take it from this text, and we'll bounce off from there. But let's, um, let's just look at uh, the first three verses there. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Um, It's it's likely that Horeb is the same as Sinai. Uh, Maybe that was a Midianite way of uh, expressing it, but it is the same mountain. Uh, There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And so at the beginning of the story, we have this sentence that says, well, the angel of the Lord appeared, and he appeared either in the flames of fire or beside the flames of fire. We're not quite sure what that word means. But there are many instances within the Bible where we first read about the angel of the Lord appearing to someone, and by the end of the story, we discover it was God himself, and the person themselves discover it was actually God had turned up, and they say things like, I've seen God and I'm still alive. And this is one of those instances here in Exodus chapter 3. We're not going to go into that because we're going to be doing it in a few weeks' time. And we'll talk about these appearances of the angel of the Lord. And it turns out it is God himself. But we know this was God himself because Moses says he had to hide his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses saw that there was a bush it was burning, and yet it was not consumed. Now, that is a, an important phrase within the Church of Scotland. You may have seen uh, many, the, the, the sort of logo and the motto of the Church of Scotland. If you've ever walked down uh, uh, George Street uh, and those grand buildings at 121 George Street, you'll see this sign, the Church of Scotland, and you'll see that the symbol Chosen for the Church of Scotland when it was founded, uh, 1560, um, it was the burning bush. And uh, if you've ever received a letter from the Church of Scotland, you might have got that uh, flag of Scotland and the burning bush below it, and it's stamped on the top of the the letters. And it's got a a Latin phrase that's written under it or written around it, Nec tamen consumer betor. I don't speak Latin, by the way. Um, Nec tamen con. We don't even know what, what it sounds like because nobody speaks Latin. So I can put on any accent I want. Um, <laughs> Nec tamen consumer betor. It just means, and it, well, yet it was not consumed. Yet it, what, 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 what a statement. It's both a, an amazing statement. It's a funny statement in one way. I, I think I've, I've said before, it's like maybe people looking in at the Church of Scotland right now are going, how has God not destroyed that church? <laughs> maybe one or two have felt like that over the last few weeks. 
How is it not destroyed? Yet, this was chosen as the motto, this idea that the church is fragile, like, like a bush growing in the Sinai desert. This bush that's growing and it's fragile, and yet it's on fire. And it's on fire because God is within her. Because God's within the bush and the fire, and it's not consumed. A reminder that the church is only really the church when God is in it, when God is amongst his people, when God is a fire a burning fire amongst his people. They chose the, uh, the motto because of something that John Knox had learnt from John Calvin when he'd gone over to Geneva. Um, this is what uh, John Calvin had taught. I'll read it out. I think it'll come up on the screen. The bush is likened to the humble and despised people. Their tyrannical oppression is not unlike the fire which would have consumed them had God not miraculously interposed, as in God turns up himself, that though the waves of trouble beat against the church and threaten her destruction, yet shall she not be moved, for God is in the midst of her. Moses, he sees this burning bush and he says, what is this strange sight? You know, the world sometimes looks on the church, probably says exactly the same thing. What is this strange sight? And yet, though countless kings and countless kingdoms have come against the church, so many philosophies and political manifestos have tried to wipe out the church Armies have marched against the church of Jesus Christ to destroy her, yet she is not consumed because God is within her. It's the promise that God gave to his people in Psalm 46. God is within her. She will not fall. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. What a strange sight, but what a glorious sight. Moses says, I'm going to take a closer look. And so Moses goes to take a closer uh, look. Let's read verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Fire can be both uh, a horrifying thing and it can be a mesmerizing thing, a beautiful thing. Um, those of you who've been around Holy Trinity for a long time, you will still remember 20 years ago when thieves broke into this sanctuary and set it alight. Some of you might have seen some of the flames. You certainly saw the destruction that the flames brought about within this sanctuary. And so you saw the destructive effects of a fire. 
but fire can also be beautiful and mesmerizing. I think, I think my most peaceful times during the lockdown, and I hate being stuck, <laughs> not seeing people. I find that really difficult. But the best times during lockdown was when we set up a fire pit in the garden, and those coals and fires are burning red hot, and we were around the fire as a family, couldn't have any visitors, and we could just sit for hours and hours, just mesmerized late at night at the coals and the fire because it was, so, it, was so, it was so beautiful. But whether we regard fire as something horrifying or something beautiful and, and, and mesmerizing, the message is still the same. Don't go too close too casually because <laughs> it's fire. And that's the message Moses had to get about God. Don't come too close too casually. Moses, stop what you're doing right now. Take off your shoes. The ground you're walking on is holy ground. Moses, he, he is going to become a real friend of God. But he's not at this point. He doesn't have much of a history with God at this point. The disciples, when they're with Jesus, they start out being his disciples. By the end of spending three years with them, Jesus speaks to them and he says, I'm calling you friends now. They, they, they had a history with Jesus and so they become Jesus' friends. But right at this moment, Moses doesn't have a history. He doesn't have a history with God. I get very uncomfortable when someone who has no history with God is very casual in God's presence. Someone comes to Jesus and they're very, very casual around the things of God. And God says, don't come too close too casually. Take off your shoes. Be careful in, in God's presence. Be careful like when, you know, when my daughter takes me a cup of tea on Father's Day and says, Daddy, I'm bringing you a cup of tea. How careful is she carrying that cup of tea to me? It is careful. She doesn't want to spit, spill a drop. She doesn't want to get scalded or burned. We are to be careful in, in God's presence. There's going to be a day coming when Moses is going to be very bold in God's presence. If you zoom forward 30 chapters to chapter 33, read about when you go home, read about how bold Moses is going to get in God's presence. But he's got a history with God by that point. Moses doesn't have a history with God yet. His father did. His great, 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 great grandfathers, they all had a history with God. That's why God actually says it. He reminds him as he's at the burning bush, as he's looking at this fire that is not consumed. And, and God says, I am the God of your father. It's singular in Hebrew. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. They've got a history of, with God. They become friends with God. Maybe you, maybe you have a father or a mother who was glorious friends with God and you're so thankful for that father. You're so thankful for them. Maybe you've got a grandfather or a grandmother. Be so thankful to God. What a blessing over your life if you had someone who prayed for you and you've now come to, to know Jesus. But make sure you get your history with God. Make sure you make a history with God. And if you will treasure his presence and treasure him as precious, this holy God who reveals himself in flames of fire, 
holy, 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 different to us. Remember, Kenny often reminded, Kenny Borthwick often reminded us that when the angels were singing, you know, holy, 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 they're singing different, different, different. God is of a different order to you and I. God is, is, is pure. There's no trace of sin in him. Faithful and true, just in all his ways. He is, he's holy. He's different than you. He's of a different, a different order. And he has to be holy in case you start thinking that you are God. He is God. And Moses has to approach carefully. And we approach him carefully. And if you'll treasure him, and if you'll treasure him as precious, I promise you, you will get the greatest friendship this side of eternity. You will get the greatest friendship you can experience on this earth. God says, Moses, take off your shoes. God reveals himself in fire because he's holy. Moses could be destroyed in a moment because of that holiness, because of that fire. And that fire can be destructive God's fire can be destructive, as we'll see throughout the Scripture. It can also be cleansing, purifying, just like when, you know, Isaiah saw the Lord in that vision, and he suddenly realizes he's got a dirty mouth, and, and the, the angel comes with a burning coal and touches his lips and says, your lips have been cleansed, cleansed with the fire. That fire can cleanse, it can destroy. But there's another use of the word fire in the scripture, and that is a fire of, of passion and a fire of love. And when we read this scripture here in Exodus 3, I think we see revealed God's fire of passion and fire of love for a people, for himself. I think here we see foreshadowed the gospel, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ here in these words. Let's read on in verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. The, the, the word there in Hebrew is, I have known their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey and so, and so on. I just want you to notice the words, just, just the list of words God says there and feel God's heart. Hear God's heart in the midst of this. Feel the fire of passion that God has for the people of this world and has for his people here. I have seen. I have heard. I have known. So I have come down. I've seen the misery that my people have experienced. I've heard their cries to me. I've known their extreme suffering, so I myself have come down. Isn't that what God has done for us in Jesus Christ? Isn't that what God looked down upon the earth? And he's saying, I, I've seen the, 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 the destruction that sin has brought upon this earth, the death, the tragedy, the wickedness. I've seen it. 
I've heard the cries. I've heard the, the cries of desperate pr- people crying out to, to me, saying, how long till you do something about this, God? How long till you, till you redeem us? How long till you save us? I've also heard the cries of the defiant who hold their fist up to me. I've heard all these things, and I've known their suffering, and I know all about them. So I myself have come down. And God comes down in the person of the Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. I've come down to rescue them. God's come for us. And he has a fiery passion to redeem a people for himself. He has a fiery passion to redeem you and to call you to him. You know, remember right at the beginning of this series, I mentioned that every time God manifests himself physically in the Old Testament, it always, it's always pointing to us to something about God's covenant, the way he has a relationship with people, or God's kingdom, the way that God rules the world and the universe. But it's always pointing to the one who would come, Jesus. So how does the fire that we see here, God turning up his fire, point us towards Jesus? Well, that was the way that the prophet John, John the Baptist, who was the one sent to prepare the way for Jesus to come. That was the way, that was the language he used so that people would be prepared to receive Jesus as their king. Let's just read it in uh, Matthew. You'll, you'll, know, uh, you'll know the passage. Uh, Matthew um, chapter 3 and uh, verse 11. John is uh, he's baptizing in the Jordan River. And this is what he says to everyone. Jesus hasn't turned up yet in his ministry. I baptize you with water for repentance. Very important. Um, if you've not been baptized, come and speak to me. It doesn't matter whether you were baptized as an infant or as an adult. I'm not worried about the time of it. But if you've not been baptized at all, come and speak to me. But after me, this is John the prophet, comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Notice, how did John prepare people to receive Jesus? He speaks about fire twice. The first time he says, the one, I'm baptizing in water, but the one who's coming after me, Jesus, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. But I've got to confess, most people stop there. Because that's really exciting. And I'm going to say something about that in a few moments, and I'm going to end at that point. But don't rush away from that and not finish the sentence. Because he uses fire in a second way. Because John says Jesus has a winnowing fork in his hand. And he's going to clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire, with a fire that does not go out. Remember the burning bush. Fire that doesn't go out. Most people skip over that bit because that is much more uncomfortable. I mean, what a thought. 
a thought that makes me weep, the thought that some will be saved and some will be lost. And that there will be a day coming where Jesus is going to gather his people, the wheat in this picture, the, the, the seed of the wheat, and he's going to gather them to himself like a mother hen and chicks under his wing. But the fire of judgment is coming and the fire doesn't go out. And the chaff is going to get blown away. You see that there isn't actually that much difference between the wheat seed and the chaff at the beginning. They're both attached to the stalk. They both get their life from the stalk and they both grow on the stalk. But as you get closer to harvest time, the chaff, the husk on the outside, becomes disconnected from the stalk. And by the height of the harvest, that chaff, that husk, can get blown off in the wind. Not much difference at the beginning, but by the end, the chaff's totally disconnected from the source of life. And so I'm going to ask you, and I'm only asking you because God's put a fire of passion that nobody be lost and that nobody would leave Holy Trinity on any given Sunday without knowing that you can have life in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't come automatically. You've got to get connected to him. And if you lose connection with him, there isn't any hope here except for unquenchable fire, according to Jesus. You must stay connected so that you've got life in you. So that you'll be gathered by Jesus when he comes again, and he will come again, and that you'll be ready to meet him. And if you feel disconnected from him today, there is great hope for you while it's still today. Amazing hope for you because you can get reconnected to God in a moment through repentance and faith. If you'll come to him confessing your sins, he's going to forgive you all your sins. If you come believing in the Lord Jesus, the one who loved you and came down for you, that God wanted to come and rescue you, he cared enough about you, he wasn't going to leave you as the one left out. You're not a special case, by the way. The one that, well, God's not bothered about me. That is nonsense. That's a lie from the enemy. He's come for you. And when we believe in him and receive him, we can be sure he's going to gather us to himself. I don't talk about this lightly, but Jesus spoke about it. And if you want that fire of passion as a believer in the Lord Jesus and that fire of passion for the lost, well, that's also available to you today. That those first disciples, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and came in the form of fire at that point, and they were set on fire for Jesus Christ, and they began to proclaim this gospel, this amazing good news that God has seen your plight, God has heard your cries, God has known what you've gone through. He knows all about you. He knows what you've suffered. He knows what's been done to you. And he knows what you've done that's wrong. 
And he said, I'm coming down to rescue them. I love them so much. I'm coming down for them. And you can also get that fire that we would reach other lost people in Wester Hills and in Edinburgh and in Scotland. This is what the church needs today. needs the fire of the Holy Ghost so that the lost might be reached. Because we've reached the tipping point, the tipping point where more than half of the nation, I'll maybe show you the graph one Sunday, we've reached that it just happened in the last year where more than half of the nation would regard themselves as atheist or anti-God, even if they believe in God. It's the first time that's happened so what do we need? We need believers because it was no different in, for the early church. They needed the fire of the Holy Spirit that we might reach the lost. And you can have that today because we're going to sing a song, one of my favorite uh, hymns, O God of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire, your blood-bought gift. Today, we claim, Lord, you promised us the Holy Spirit and we don't want to leave here without your Holy Spirit filling every part of us. So I'm just going to stop there for a moment. Let's just bow our heads. And let's just allow the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, was there a message I, I need today? Is there something you're actually offering me today, because it's called today, that I need? I need salvation. God is here. Do you need the fire of the Holy Ghost? Just like those first disciples experience and disciples down through the centuries without break have experienced. Fill to the fullness with the fire of God. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. Lord, forgive my coldness. Forgive my apathy. Lord, I need you. Send your Holy Spirit. For the sake of this nation, Lord, that we, our hearts break over. For the sake of the lost that we shed tears over we wouldn't want anyone to be blown away in the fire of judgment when you come again but we can't pretend it's not going to happen we thank you lord that there's hope though there's good news thank you lord for those simple words that 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 moses heard you say to him, I've seen, I've heard, I've known, I've come down. Thank you, you've come down to rescue us. We're so thankful, Lord. And thank you that you saw disciples who were saved, who believed in you, Lord Jesus, but were fearful and afraid, not sure what to do next. And you, you saw them you saw them gathered, afraid that what had happened to their Savior, Jesus, was going to happen to them. You heard them meeting together to pray and to cry out to you. You'd known what they'd gone through. 
and what they would have to suffer for the name of Jesus. And then you came down by your Holy Spirit. You touched them. You touched their tongues and they began to speak glorious things of you. They began to speak in other languages. They began to praise God. They began to preach and to proclaim your name. They began to pray. And lives were changed. We're longing for that, that life-changing encounter with you. Lord, Moses would never be the same after this encounter with you at the burning bush. May we never be the same as we encounter you. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring conviction where we are not yet in your kingdom, that we might come in and not hold you at arm's length. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with a passion for the name of Jesus in Scotland again.